If you're an avid bubbly, Topo Chino, Polar, La Croix, Polar, or Perrier drinker, you're definitely going to want to listen up to this episode. But it's really for anyone, because I'm also going to talk about regular drinking water as well. In 2020, Consumer Reports tested 47 bottled waters, including 35 non-carbonated and 12 carbonated ones, for heavy metals arsenic, cadmium, lead, and mercury, plus 30 PFAS, or per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances. These are the chemicals used to make nonstick coatings, stain repellent, waterproofing coatings, firefighting foam, and more, and they have become a serious problem. In this episode, I focus on the carbonated water and PFAS findings specifically, because this is a problem that is concerning not just for these products, but for drinking water across the continent in general. I'll be covering what PFAS is, why it is so concerning from a health and environmental perspective, what the Consumer Reports study found about its presence in carbonated water beverages, the problem with drinking water quality regulations in general when it comes to PFAS, and what alternatives you have to enjoy a tasty, fizzy drink. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Missing Pillar of Health podcast, the show that tackles the often misunderstood and underestimated topics related to toxins and their impact on our health and well-being. I'm your host, environmental engineer, mom of two, and founder of Green at Home, Emma Roman. My mission is to help you reduce toxins in your life without fear, judgment, or shame, so you can be more informed and empowered to take action on issues that matter to your health. The research is clear that toxic chemicals found in the products we use, food we eat, water we drink, and air we breathe are contributing to the rise of chronic illness, allergies, infertility, autoimmune disease, and more. The good news is you can reduce your exposure without having to drastically change your lifestyle, and I'm here to show you how. As Margaret Mead said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. I believe addressing toxins is a critical step towards creating healthier and happier families, communities, and ultimately a better planet. And that starts right here, right now. Let's dive into today's show. There are approximately 5,000 known PFOSs. These are a collection of chemicals known for their strong carbon-fluorine bonds, which means they do not break down in the environment. Our general understanding of these chemicals is based around the research on two of the most widespread chemicals, PFOA and PFOS. Due to their widespread ecological and health impacts, these two chemicals specifically are no longer being manufactured in North America, and they've been replaced with other PFOSs. Without as much data behind them, yet they continue to contaminate water supplies despite the fact that they're not actively in production. The EPA currently has a non-binding, meaning it's not legally required, advisory recommendation of 70 parts per trillion for just PFOA and PFOS individually and combined. Now for context, one part per trillion would be about one grain of sand in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. So 70 parts per trillion isn't very high of a concentration. But a 2019 study commissioned by the EPA found that 17 PFOSs in source and treated water from 25 drinking water treatment plants across the U.S., 
PFOSs were detected in all samples, and the concentrations ranged from less than one part per trillion up to 1,100 parts per trillion. So there's a wide range around that recommendation of 70 parts per trillion by the EPA. Now, to make things more confusing, different jurisdictions have determined different levels of safety for PFAS in our water. The industry group International Bottled Water Association requires its members to have any single PFAS compound concentration below 5 parts per trillion and 10 parts per trillion for total PFAS concentration. In July of 2021, the California EPA issued a draft report with a proposed safe level to support public health of 0.007 parts per trillion, seven parts per quadrillion for PFOA and one parts per trillion for PFOS in drinking water. Now, I know that these are a lot of numbers throwing at you right now, and I don't expect you to remember them. However, I think it's important to provide some context. So we've got the EPA currently sitting at 70. The Bottled Water Association requires individual concentrations of less than five. And California has said that the proposed safe limit is 0.007. So we're talking orders of magnitude difference between what these different jurisdictions are saying are acceptable. So what did the consumer report study find about PFOS concentrations in bottled water? Again, I'm going to focus on the carbonated water, although they also tested spring water. The sparkling water brands were all in compliance with the bottled water association limits, but seven brands exceeded what some scientists believe should be the health protective limit of one parts per trillion for total PFOS levels. Those brands that exceeded this limit, according to the Consumer Reports findings, are Topo Chico, Polar, Bubbly, Poland Spring, Canada Dry, Lacroix, and Perrier. And I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing any of these. Honestly, I don't drink these. And some for some of them, it's the first time I'm hearing of these brands because they are mostly in the US, I believe. So... Topo Chico is made by Coca-Cola and it measured levels of 9.76 parts per trillion, making it the highest of the products tested. For those who are curious, Polar is owned by a private beverage company. Poland Spring used to be a Nestle brand, but was sold in early 2021. Canada Dry is owned by the company Keurig Dr. Pepper, which I didn't even know was a thing until researching this episode. La Croix is made by the National Beverage Corporation and Perrier is owned by Nestle. Now, most of the brands responded to the consumer report findings with statements like these products meet all FDA requirements and are fully compliant with FDA standards. Typical playbook replies that pass the buck on any responsibility to the environment or consumers. So I'm not surprised, but that's what the majority of them replied with. In contrast, Topo Chico said that it would continue to make improvements to prepare for more stringent standards in the future. Sure enough, in February of 2021, Consumer Reports tested three new samples of Topo Chico and found that the brand had reduced its average level of PFAS to 3.9 parts per trillion. Again, it was measuring at the highest of the other brands at 9.76 parts per trillion previously. So this change moved the brand down, but it's still the second highest based on the initial consumer reports tests. 
According to the updated article, the reason for this drop was Topo Chico upgraded its filtration system. So these are still all well below the industry standard, well below the EPA guidance. So what is the problem? Well, they're still all well above the suggested health protective limit of one part per trillion. This target is being suggested by California and is the limit being proposed by the EWG based on a collection of studies. One of those is from a 2013 study showing decreased vaccine response in children with higher levels of PFOA and PFOS in their bodies. And the authors recommended a limit of one part per trillion in water for these chemicals based on their findings. In their study review, the EWG also found that drinking water concentrations of PFOS at or near one parts per trillion would prevent increased risk of liver and testicular cancers. Researchers at the nonprofit organization Natural Resources Defense Council proposed a maximum drinking water limit of two parts per trillion for the combined concentrations of four PFOS chemicals and five parts per trillion for Gen X, which is the replacement to PFOA. This two parts per trillion concentration limit is based on the most common detection limits reported by commercial labs that test water for PFAS. The NRDC's report notes that carbon filtration can remove these chemicals to levels lower than the detection limit of two parts per trillion. Now, making these health protective limits enforceable is easier said than done. To set an enforceable limit, the EPA must go through a series of legal steps that have been established to regulate contaminants in drinking water. And, as is the case with many chemicals, there are powerful lobby groups for industries that would face significant liability for cleanup that are working to oppose regulation of PFAS as a group. This means regulations would rely on studies of each individual chemical separately, resulting in decades long of delay. Canada is currently evaluating next steps to regulate PFAS as a class rather than individually. The drinking water guideline has a maximum acceptable concentration significantly higher than the EPA and health protective levels recommended by others. And again, it's not a legally binding limit, so things are still in flux in Canada as well. More action is happening in the U.S. because of known widespread water contamination from military bases in particular due to firefighting foam. We'll see what happens in Canada as more research gets done on this, which I'm sure will be happening in the future. Now, despite there being no federal legal limits in the U.S., some states are setting their own for these chemicals, many of which are lower than the EPA's current advisory level of 70 parts per trillion, but still not as low as the one part per trillion suggested for health protection. And as has been the case with other water contaminant levels set by the EPA, the cost of filtering the chemicals out of tap water may be prohibitive for some utilities, resulting in a higher allowable limit than the science suggests is safe. Now I'm referencing the US and the EPA a lot here. The general context applies in Canada and other countries as well. Stricter limits could also require sewage treatment facilities to filter out PFOA and PFOS before they discharge treated wastewater into rivers or lakes because the drinking water filtration will have a maximum removal capability and so the water quality going in will also need to have maximum levels is the suggestion if we're going to aim for these health protective levels. 
Chemical manufacturers and the military may also be on the hook for cleanup of contaminated sites in order to achieve these limits. This really should be the case all along instead of putting the burden on consumers on their own, but it means that there are more voices to oppose stricter regulations. So back to the consumer report study on PFAS and carbonated water. Where did the contamination come from? The concentrations are not high enough to suspect that they were added intentionally. So it could come from the equipment in the carbonation process, the source water may be contaminated, or the treatment used to remove PFAS below one part per trillion isn't being used. Many brands did have levels less than one parts per trillion, so it is possible. It's my hope that we start shifting the burden of responsibility from consumer to producer with some serious government interventions to implement health protective regulations. But one simple shift that we can make is not to buy so much single serving carbonated beverage products in the first place. These have become a staple in many homes. Don't shoot the messenger here, but the waste and cost alone are factors that I think we re- need to seriously rethink this habit. And PFOS exposure adds some icing on the cake. Now you can make your own carbonated water fairly easily at home. SodaStream currently has a model that uses a glass carafe and they actually have a collaboration with Bubbly. So you can add your favorite bubbly flavors to carbonated water you can make yourself. Both of these brands are owned by PepsiCo, so it was a pretty seamless collaboration. Now, the ingredients in these flavors aren't fully disclosed. That's a topic for another day. So I'd opt for a natural fruit juice or simple lemon or lime. But if you're solidly addicted to bubbly, take it in baby steps with the homemade version instead. If you have PFAS in your drinking water, making it at home isn't necessarily going to solve the problem. However, you can test your water or you can check the EWG for a map of areas of concern in the US and you can have more control over filtering your water. A activated carbon water filter will reduce PFAS. Reverse osmosis will remove almost all of it, depending on the product. And there's a certification for water filters, NSF P473, that demonstrates that the system was tested for their claims against PFOA and PFOS specifically. Now, this isn't the only thing to look for in a water filter, but if PFOS contamination is a concern, it might be important for you. Episode 16 walks you through how to choose the right water filter. And I have a detailed step-by-step guide to choosing a water filter with brand suggestions and instructions on testing your water that you can purchase from greenathome.ca forward slash water filter. All right, that was a data-heavy episode, I know, but if you know me, I like to make sure you have all the background to really understand an issue. Knowledge is power, and I hope this episode has armed you with the knowledge you need to make more informed decisions about what you drink. Until next week, stay well, everyone. Wait, before you go, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and like what you've heard, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave a five-star rating and a written review. You can do it right from the app. It takes just a sec and really helps me to be able to continue to share this important information with more people. Plus, you might just get a shout out on a future episode. Thanks so much and bye for now.